Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. Welcome back once again to another episode of Keeping Up With Data with myself, Joel Robinson. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, James. James, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm also very well. Thank you very much. And very excited today. Uh, we've got someone that we've known for a little while on the show, Katie Proud, who runs a business called Cypher. But as always, Katie, I'm not going to introduce you. I'll let you do that yourself. Please tell everyone a little bit about your background and who you are. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name's Katie Proud. I'm a director, COO, um, owner of Cypher Sports Technology Group. Um, we specialise in predictive analytics um, for sports and sports betting. So I guess we call ourselves a tech, a sports tech business, um, where kind of our, our data underpins kind of everything that we do. Uh, but we also generate a lot of content um, and and create engaging kind of products for customers to engage in betting, but also just sports fans generally uh, and kind of a lot of fun doing it. Smashing. Well, I think today's podcast is going to be really fun because it's a little bit different, um, especially because you're working in an industry that I think a lot of people are going to be um, very interested in, in learning about. Um, it's a topic that I'm really interested in is just generally sports and, and fantasy sports and statistics. Um, and James, I know you've been getting into sports more so the last couple of years as well. So be able to put your own two cents in on that side of things. And we'll go through the usual stuff. I know that we've all got data jokes ready to go. But I really wanted to just kick off today's discussion, if that's all right with you, Katie, with just how does one go from obviously the degree that you did um, within, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, a kind of media and communications background to starting up your own technology sports statistics company? Uh, it's a question I get a lot, <laughs> um, as particularly when I'm standing next to my business partner, Daryl, who is our lead data scientist and CTO now, but um, really our story began um, when I was an undergrad doing, uh, I was doing a business um, advertising degree uh, and, a, and a media communications degree. And we were actually partnered together for a research project for my degree. Mm-hmm. And um, he was doing, he was doing something on big data. It was like a big data and anal- analytics for, um, Big Brother USA. Yeah. At the time, I was like, oh, I love Big Brother. <laughs> this is <laughs> right up my alley. And I feel like one thing kind of led to another. We worked really well together on this project, and we are really opposite types of people. Um, and he was kind of doing. Daryl was doing his PhD. Um, I was kind of really at the pointy end to finish my degree, and I just saw a huge amount of commercial opportunity in the stuff that he was doing that um, was really important work, obviously, for the academic space, but 
there was just so much opportunity to kind of like make it into like zingy little, you know, web apps that you could, that I could kind of send to my friends and go like, look, we, we think that this person's going to get kicked out this week because they got like terrible sentiment on Twitter. Um, and I suppose like that's really where things started for me in terms of data because I was um, taking that data, we were analysing it, it was in graphs and numbers and all kinds of things, but I'd just do like a... a design the only way I knew how to design, also not a designer, but um, and just something that could be consumable for someone, I suppose, to look at and, and read and understand and make it like kind of interesting rather than reading, you know, a 3,000 word paper yeah. on who you think is going to get kicked out. It's much easier to see it in a visual format. So um, that's the first thing that, that we did together. It was called the hypometer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was the hype around a particular, uh, or the particular like, people on Big Brother. So that, that's how I started it. And I mean, a lot of things have happened since then, but uh, essentially we enjoyed working together and the academic space, while really fun for a time and really helped us to kind of get to where we were, we decided mm. that we wanted to split out of the university, commercialise our ideas um, and and then eventually landed in sport, finding that we were both really interested in sport. Daryl put himself through his PhD um, betting on sports. And, yeah, nice. I, <laughs> and I grew up in a, a really sporty kind of family. And it's a really, like sport is really fun because it's every day, literally yeah. every year, there's like one day in the middle of August, it's like called the dog days of summer where there's like no, no sport. That's the only the only day of the entire year. Otherwise, it's really dynamic and it's yeah. customer focused. And those were two things that we we were really um, made us excited about going to work, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and we thought that there was the biggest commercial opportunity in as well. So, yeah, that's how we that's, landed in it. That's a great story is how you got there as well. And, and starting something so soon out of university as well must have been pretty scary to go you know what right we're going you know both feet into this oh it definitely feels like I am not qualified for this <laughs> <laughs> that is a weird feeling yeah always wanted to own something run something on my own but I did not think I thought it was going to be you know learn you know grow reputation and grow your skills and continue to learn and you know, one day you'll have that golden idea mm. and then and then you'll launch it, whereas this happened in a completely flipped on its head kind of way. I'm so glad that it did. The story I'm telling you is actually from about 10 years ago. So a lot <laughs> happens, um, a lot has happened in that time. But, um, yeah, I, I really, um, it's an unusual story and I think one of perseverance and, um I actually think the perseverance is, is probably my, my key word for it. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it would have been. Yeah, um, changing when you have to and, and adjusting as you have to, but also believing in your IP and yeah. finding opportunities for it. That makes sense. And so what, what's the business actually doing on a kind of day-to-day -day basis now? And, and again, you know, be really interested to hear maybe how it developed from what the first iteration was to what it has become, which, you know, it could be a meandering story, I'm guessing. Yeah, cool. We'll be here till Christmas. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first question day to day is um, no two days are the same in here. So, um, 
we've actually recently gone through the process of merging with um, a company who, who are some of my favourite people, but also had a really shared vision, but no um, business or organisational overlap in terms of personnel. Um, and we decided to work together as two companies, um, launched a product together in the US. Um, and I mean, that's a whole story in itself, which I'll tell in a minute, but um, <laughs> but we now we're officially um, a merged entity um, and the function, we have so many functions of the business. So we have a technical and data side of the business, which is obviously Hypometer, um, which has come into, into this side. It is um, building models, um, building models particularly for, particularly for profitability against betting markets, mm-hmm. um, maintaining those models, managing those models, but also a whole lot of infrastructure and data engineering work that goes on to um, keep those running. They update constantly. So let's say for the NBA, um, once we put the predictions up for the week for like the key markets, they'll update every hour and then up until, and then, you know, closer to the game, we'll start updating those every 15 minutes. So we have our model that pulls in the prediction, the odds that we pull from an odds provider, we combine those things, we show the best price on our platforms um, and then our users consume that by um, seeing what the best odds are, they get that information, they click out to book in they, and they subscribe. The day-to-day here is um, is very much talking about new products and new ways of doing things. Um, there's a whole lot of innovation going on and there's a lot of cross-team kind of, cross-functional kind of teams because um, let's say like we just did the Brownlow predictions, right? So um, our data analyst, Greg, spent the last couple of months working very hard on, you know, refining that model, getting down who he thinks is going to win the Brownlow. And then across the teams we've got, um, you know, he, he went on, did Sky News interviews and, um, and all kinds of things. But then we did a report, which the social guys do. Um, we did... Uh, we've been doing kind of weekly video segments on it. So uh, the data is um, central to what we to what we do and is interesting to everyone rather than it sitting in the back um, sitting in the back of like your executives like inbox kind of thing. That data is actually what we give to our customers is, is, is one of our key value propositions. So off track a little bit, but the day to day tends to look like a lot of different things moving around, everyone talking to each other. Um, putting out content predictions, fixing bugs, and um, and um, and kind of partnering with external companies who also want to have this information on their own sites. That makes sense. And I'm sure working in an industry, sports, where, like you said, everything is happening at such speed and it's happening every day, and and things change so quickly, whether it was with an injury or you know weather conditions or whatever it may be, you must have to just except that you are in an industry where you've got to be able to um, kind of roll with the punches in a sense. Yeah, like a rule change will just come out of nowhere or one of our data providers will just change their API, um, switch the teams around, like, yeah, you roll with the punches for sure. There's, yeah, I can imagine. There's stuff going on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to say that, that one of the, the, the major things that has happened in this industry, in this space, is that um, the US is legalizing sports betting uh, currently yeah. and has been doing so really now it's actually been a couple of years since you know Jersey was first 
past. Um, but that poses an enormous opportunity for an Australian company um, that has been in a mature betting market for quite some time and uh, that has kind of the knowledge base, has seen it happen, seen it all happen before, but now we're seeing kind of complete a, a, a completely new industry break out over there in, um, in online sports betting. So it's an opportunity for us that we are just really excited about and there is no shortage of things that you could do in a day to maximise that opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. Fantastic. And look, I'm going to bring you in now, James. Sorry to um, have cut you out there for a good 10 minutes, but we wanted to make sure we got that story out there because it's such an interesting one. Obviously, you've been working with Katie over the years as well in terms of uh, finding candidates for the business and um, generally pitching Cypher and, and, and sports and data together. From what I understand, it's an industry that people are always super interested to want to work within not just for the reason that sports is maybe a passion of theirs like when you're speaking to candidates about them as a business and about the industry like what kind of things do people say they find it quite interesting because it's like katie was mentioning then it's changes so quickly so the fact that no today's ever be the same and the fact that you have to be adaptable means you're always on your toes so you're constantly challenged which is what a lot of people want because if you start to plateau get a bit bored you know you lose your skills but if you're always challenged you feel you're constantly learning constantly adapting you're also I think it keeps you a bit young in terms of your mind because you have to be switched on um, what I also see is that it's a collaborative team and everyone wants to be around people that are just happy at work and like really passionate about what they're doing because it makes you feel better and it just gives that warm feeling you're like I want to go to work and you get excited to get out of bed you don't wake up on one day rolling your eyes being like why am I having to go to work today uh, I think I know you push it aside, but the passion about it is it is quite a niche market, although a lot of people like sport. Like you touched on the start, I have not really had much to do with it, but the past 12 months I've learned all about it and I now have all these random facts in my head that are stuck with me and I've decided to enjoy it a lot. Like I know this week with the AFL Grand Final, I'm now heavily invested, whereas 12 months ago I wouldn't have given congrats. <laughs> um, and it's just people feed off the energy as well. And so it's something that if you were working, say, in a company like Cypher, you know, you can suddenly talk to your family or your friends about the work you're doing and they get it because sports become such an integral part of a lot of people's lives. And it's a really community-driven space. And I think it's constantly changing and even looking at certain sports and how they've changed in the past 12 months, months, it's interesting to see where they'll get in another 18. And then interesting point um about people being able to go home and talk about what they do I imagine that that doesn't happen a lot in this space and I have people say to me all the time like oh I don't really get get it what it is that you do kind of thing but yeah when you can relate it to sport and probably everyone that works here is they're just like what um what pick, you know what's your pick for tonight <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. One of the questions we always ask on the podcast as well is, does your family get what you do? And I think you've hit the nail on the head there, James. With sport, you, you kind of can get it across no matter how technical the work is that you're doing. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like a good press release in the Fin Review does a world of good to get your family interested. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Um, no, most people don't understand exactly what it is that I do, but like really, could you, could you say that you, 
fully understand what it is that any of your your friends or your family do. We'd probably, <laughs> no, like, probably not for most of them. I've had some of my friends try and explain things to me so many times, and it seems like such a simple concept, but it just doesn't go in for whatever reason. But with what you guys are doing, it it is very um, understandable. And I think obviously because, especially in the Australian um, kind of society, you know, sports betting has been such a big thing for such a long time as well. Um, but one of the things that we find with yourself as well, Casey, and, and this is, you know, um, just how it needs to be, but having that love of sport and understanding how sport works is really important for you when you're hiring because a lot of the business we work with when they say, well, data is data no matter what, but sport is a bit unique in the sense of, I guess, needing that that knowledge of it. Yeah, we we have gone back and forth a lot with James and the rest of the team at Precision on this, haven't we? And, um, and it continues to be proven and disproven every time, I think. We've got, what, what, what we tend to look for is someone who has at least got a basic understanding and is a bit of a fan. A, because I think you're going to have a, a better, you're going to have a, probably a better day at work here if, 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 it, if it is kind of your area. I mean, we do have people who, um, who aren't sports fans or have never been on a sport and are here and still um, thrive and have a, have a great time. But I tend to, and I tend to have looked for people in the past that, have got a little bit of background and a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of passion because I think it makes it exciting to come to work. Um, you can kind of, we've got sport playing on the TVs all day, every day. Um, and, you know, that's an enjoyable thing for any sports fan to go to work and have that. And um, to like a couple of our guys, like um, they previously worked in accounting or uh, in one case, liquidation, totally different area, but absolutely loved their NRL, the AFL, and maybe even, you know, did their own kind of little bits of analysis on the side. They've now had complete career shifts away from accounting. They get to work in sports every day, but still work with numbers and spreadsheets. And that, I think, is a really exciting career move uh, to be doing something that you love, but applying what you're what your skill set is. So, I mean, it's an opportunity to change career in a way yeah. uh, as well. 100%. And obviously the sports industry, I mean, it's massive, right? It's global, one of the biggest industries worldwide. How hard was it for you and, and yourself and Daryl as a, as a small business starting in the corner of the world in Australia to, I guess, make your mark and, and why i guess the question is why were you successful like what was it about your product and about your business model that stood out you've got to meet daryl um <laughs> he is one of the smartest people you've met in your entire life and i think he has that impact on people as soon as as soon as you meet him um he will pull something out of the bag day in and day out um <laughs> that really that that really um shows that he knows his stuff and we've been building models now for a long time but um i know that they're always going to be highly competitive against the market um and and one thing he does really well coming from a academic background is teach and mm. so the people that um that start here i suppose we sometimes under promise and over deliver in the um in the learning space so we don't kind of 
put it out there as something that, that, that will happen necessarily. Obviously, we provide lots of professional development opportunities in an official capacity, but like really a strong ability to kind of learn. And so the people that we bring in, well, you know, let's say from um, like the accounting background, come in and you have the ability to learn the way that we do things and the way that Daryl does things. So you're kind of creating a cohort of people who are doing it all in that way. reason I say that is I think that that is kind of our secret source a little bit in that you've got a combined workforce of people who have all been kind of nurtured by this way of doing things. Um, And that's just to do it's just to do with quality doing things really well um caring about what you do um and enjoying it and look i think our business model right now is proving itself pretty well <laughs> but um you know, we've always got so much to learn so, and, and lots of ways to grow as well and obviously break it into the us market as well so you, you set yourselves up over there you've got an office over in america as well now yeah so i've got an office in new york um, where one of our co-founders, Nick Slade, is based. Uh, he's doing a great job of that. We've got our obviously our affiliate partnerships manager and our you know our digital content editors and our, our freelance army over there. So quite a, a big t- a team of five five um, over there at the moment, and then we're 21 in the office here uh, in Melbourne. So definitely on the growth path. And and one of the other questions we often ask in in this podcast is, um, and I think it's very um, pertinent for you, is if you were to go back and tell 21-year-old you um, at the start of all this, um, something that would help them, you know, over the next 10 years in their career, like what have you learned over the last 10 years that you would kind of almost go back and tell yourself? Uh, Relax. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And breathe. I, I, <laughs> I don't know I think yeah they'd probably be I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a advocate for mindfulness mm. um, after quite a few years of being stressed and having overwhelm from work and like and the pressure of work and I think it's important to talk about I would absolutely hate to know that someone who is working with me in this office is feeling that way so um and I wish that I had had the tools that I have now to deal with that um, and make sure that work is important, you know, work is really important and that's great, but also so too is your well-being. So, yeah, I think just learning to manage manage that, um, manage that stress is, is really, really important. And, um, yeah, 21-year-old me wasn't as stressed, but, you know, it changed. <laughs> I can imagine. You know what? It's a conversation that comes up a lot um, over the last couple of years, especially since the you know the pandemic. And um, I know James, it's a conversation that you have with a lot of people these days as well. And it's it's gone a lot more to the top of the list of people's drivers and requirements in a role is is to work in a company that um, looks after mental health and um, at, at the top of the list before anything else. So is that is that something that you're seeing that's pretty common now from people that you're talking to, James? Yeah, it's people want to know they can be somewhere where they get to enjoy their work, but they're not going to just be like a cognitive machine where it's just based on you have to always do what you have to do. Like we always have good days and we have bad days. And I think it's important to, and what people want as well, be in a team where others can recognize the bad days and will just be there to help support. And then in 
turn, they can support other people when they're having bad days. And that just helps you to have a better quality of life. Because if you've got that support at work, you've got a team, and you know, even from a management perspective, that can realize that you feel a bit more comfortable and you feel safer. And then you become a bit more open. And it's easy then, say, spot certain things or help people progress further. And then even helping, like you said, Katie, you know, you might then be able to help them build a tool set and help them learn, learn some new skills that they might not have had access to before. And that in the turn, they can pass on to their own friends and family. So it's like a ripple effect. Um, and in general, it's one of those things like it's cliche, but if you're happy at work, you'll be happy in life and it'll be like a good cycle because you'll constantly be happy. And that means you're more productive. That means you get happier because work gets better. So it's a big positive all up. 100%. Um, and do you have any techniques or things that you do as a business Katie, or that you've implemented um, to help with that side of, I guess, people's lives? Yeah, I mean, we have um, we have our companies signed up to Insight Timer. So um, I don't know if you guys know about Insight Timer, but it's an awesome free app that you can download and it's kind of all breathing exercises and everything. And they just um, not that long ago launched a Insight Timer for, for work kind of thing where you can sign your organisation up. Um, and that you can send that link out to everyone and then they've got kind of immediate access to it's like you know a, a guided meditation for your commute to work or a, a break in the middle of the day or uh, whatever so I I absolutely love that I'm a huge advocate for just like you know wake up and just do a breathing exercise for five minutes it just sets your day mm. on a totally totally different track so that um is, is one thing. We've also got a system in place for, um, how do I say it? So it's basically everyone in the business can call a number mm -hmm. if they are in need um, and they can access a person to talk to, a professional to talk to immediately. Um, and that's available to our people, but also their families, the direct families. So um, we've got access to that. And then the other thing is, like, you can talk, talk like, being open and, and sharing your experiences. So um, I think it's, like, one thing to say, oh, we care about your well-being and we care about mindfulness. It's another thing to actually share your own experience and just normalise it. And so I, we like to just kind of normalise that. If you're not having a good day, you don't need to say that you're having a great day. Um, and and I, and I hope to be kind of approachable and that someone feels open enough to tell me about that, um, whether they're having a sick day or a sick day is a different yeah. thing, um, and it's okay either way. That's cool. Yeah, we've got something called Headspace, I think it's James, is it? Headspace? Yeah. Um, sounds quite similar to the app that you mentioned there that's come to us through the Black Dog charity that we partner with. And then we also have, sounds like similar to you, we've, I think they're called Acacia. They're like our EAP um, group that we, again, everyone's got access to and then friends and family and, and, and that can access as well. I think it's really important that you actually have these, I guess, tools in place rather than just talking about it as well. Like you said, now, yeah, obviously talk about it internally and normalizing it, but actually giving people access to these things as well shows that you, you care. And it's really cool that you guys are doing that as well. So um, kudos to you for that as well, because I know not everyone actually walks the walk. Um, right into um, one of my favorite parts of the show, because I never have to do the data joke. 
And I know you've been dreading this, Katie, but everyone who comes on dreads it, don't worry. Um, also, James will be delivering his data joke, so there'll be secondhand embarrassment all around, so no fear for anyone. Um, as always, we'll give you the choice of where you'd like to go first or second. Um, I'll, I'll go second. Oh, Come on, okay. You feeling ready? Yeah, let's just rip the banner off. Okay, so why did the Python data scientist get arrested at customs? I don't know, James. Why did they get arrested? She was caught trying to import pandas. <laughs> Do you know what? I think we had that one two weeks ago, James, and you weren't on the podcast as well. But it's a good one. It's a good one. I like that. Oh, so that's your that's your standard, Katie, that you've got to live up to. Um, this is a joke that I think has a joke within a joke. Okay. So data science is 80% preparing data, 20% complaining about preparing data. <laughs> I think that is hilarious because Daryl sent it to me and I find that my team my team at least that data science is 80 percent complaining about preparing data that's brilliant yeah <laughs> um, to be fair that's probably what we get the most complaints of and is the biggest shock for people coming out of university as well they come out bright eyed bushy tailed i'm going to like change the world with my model and then they spend all their time cleaning data and complaining about cleaning data <laughs> Do you know what? I think we've had that joke as well before. It, obviously, there aren't that many data jokes. I think we're going to have to come up with a new segment where um, I think we're running out of data jokes, it sounds like. That's regular jokes. Yeah, we could just do regular jokes. Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Um, so one of the other fun things that we always like to do as well, I thought I'd chuck this one at you as soon as um, it is, always creates a fun bit of conversation. Um, I don't know if you've done this question before with your friends. It's pretty simple. If you were trapped in a zombie apocalypse, and you could have three people with you. And in this, the assumption is your family is locked in a bunker safe. So you can't say your family. Which three people would you want with you in a zombie apocalypse? Brad Pitt. For the obvious reasons that it's Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt. Oh, three. Young Brad Pitt, middle-aged Brad Pitt, and current Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. Nice, nice. All three young ones. All, um, all, all three young Brad Pitt. <laughs> See, I think Brad Pitt peaked when he was like 40. I reckon that's peak Brad Pitt for me. I don't know about uh, you, James. I'll let him know. I'll give him a call. <laughs> Joel, <laughs> Joel loved you when you were 40. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I just, I don't know, like, he was very, like, he was pretty when he was young, but he got that rugged thing going, didn't he, when he hit that kind of, that 35, 40. Anyway, that's my opinion on Brad Pitt. So, yeah, there you go. I love uh, him in um, meet, meet Joe Black. You see oh, yeah. When okay. Like, <laughs> when he was, like, dead, but, yeah. but like, haunting. That's, like, yeah. that's like very clean-cut Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, that's the stuff. Yeah, yeah no, that's that was, yeah, not quite for that. James, do you have an opinion on, on Brad Pitt over the years? Uh... Not really, to be honest. I'm, I'm not a fan. Movies, but I'm just really bad with like actors. If I don't massively care for them, I just see them as all right. Okay. I mean, it's Brad Pitt, James. Come on, we're not talking about some random here. Yeah, Who you, who's your actor of choice, James? Actor of choice. 
it's really bad, but I love Johnny Depp because I love Pirates of the Caribbean and I just always see him as that character, which is like that I'm not the best with actors. I love Intentious choice right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, let's get off the Brad Pitt chat because I'm sure we could spend hours on him. Um, right. One question we love to ask as well is if you weren't doing what you were doing right now, what would your dream job be? Maybe I think I would be a baker. Oh, okay. Is it something that you do as a hobby as well? Yes. Yeah, I don't mind making a cake or two. Nice. Would you ever go as far as the Great Australian Bake Off? Ooh, Great British Bake Off, maybe. So I oh, obviously, the British anything. one is superior, obviously. <laughs> but being in Australia, and my wife works at the BBC in Australia, so maybe I could hook you up with a spot on the show if that's something that you want to do. <laughs> I'm out of here, guys. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, it's all yours, Daryl. I'm off to be a baker. That's a cool job. Yeah. I think Baker to me would be one of those jobs, though, where it's like when you do it at home, it's cool because then if it's a disaster, no one needs to know. But I can't imagine how stressful it would be being an actual Baker. No, no. I've just like I've just started watching that show, The, the Bear. And Oh, God, yeah. Have you seen? <laughs> yeah, that's a super stressful show. Just stressful cooking, like. To the max. To the max, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe something with animals. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> change my answer. Yeah, change your answer. Get, now we've actually thought about it. Um, right, back to data. Always like to just meander off a little bit. Back to data. So obviously you are, you know, and I know maybe this is more of a question for Daryl, but I'd, be, I'd love to hear what you think as well. Like, what is the future or what are the next few years going to look like? Not just for you, but from what you're seeing from the data industry. Obviously, it's now at the forefront. It's um spoken about by all ceos all over the world like what what are you seeing coming in the next few years that you feel that you need to be ready for in a sense um we're doing a lot of automation work we're already yeah. so heavily automated but um you can never be too too much so and um that's that's really one of the, the major things that we're doing. We're also still in the process of converting you know things that you kind of build really quickly in startup mode to to actually putting those, those proper data processes in and um, putting them into augmentation software um, and pro getting proper processes so that we can have um, so that we can have non-data scientists, non-data engineers actually trigger um, trigger an update or um, or you know add in maybe a player projection that kind of thing. So that's the really the, the direction we're heading is kind of making everything a little bit more dashboardy. Mm -hmm. So that's basically just making it accessible to a wider range of people within the business. Makes sense. Do you think that with automate? I mean, it's when I started 2010, a lot of the roles that I placed were, you know, data analysts using Excel and VBA. And one of the jokes that everyone would say back then was, oh, I've automated myself out of a job because yeah. you could kind of do that in BBA. Do you ever think we're going to get to that point with data engineers and data scientists in a sense where they, they could almost automate themselves out of a job? Or do you think it's one of those jobs where you're always going to need that kind of human element at the beginning stages of it to kind of design it in the right way as such? Uh, my, my perspective would be that you always need a human element mm. to it. 
with with sports you can't really teach a computer everything yeah. um, and that eye and that knowledge is what kind of makes it is what makes it good you can automate a hell of a lot though so <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out I wouldn't rule it out in another 20 30 50 years maybe but um but no I think we're we're a, we're a while away from that yeah, I can imagine and it's it's a story we hear a lot eh, James where a lot of companies thought they could leap towards AI and all this really cool stuff but it seems to be that automation is the word that for the last year and I'm guessing for the next few years people seem to be talking about a lot yeah it's it's just like one of those I guess buzzwords that's what everyone wants to do and part of it I think boils down to it's makes life easier I know mm. there's um someone I know quite well in the market who he's very adamant that the, the idea of the overarching team is to make ourselves redundant so we can then move on to the next thing we want to automate those processes and um, I like that way of thinking although I just wonder when you get to the top and you make that last sort of role or that last piece of work redundant like automated what's next yeah. but it's it's with advancements in technology right even compared to 10 years ago like you said Joel yeah well, even to, like Alteryx like the drag and drop kind of vibes that you've got now right yeah and it's I think one thing that's really interesting for me like I watch like sort of all my cousin's kids you know that are around the eight to ten year old mark and they are wizards on iPads and computers and it's going to be interesting to see how this new generation is obviously using computers day in day out when they get to uni like what are they going to be doing and what are they going to be like when they come out of uni because I know when I came out of uni even now I'm still not the best for technology I know I'm a lot better than my partner but it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few years as more people just be using computers from such young age Yes, very good point. And they'll be the people who drive us forward to the next phase of whatever we're doing, which none of us necessarily know. It's a good point, that. Um, so that we have to wrap up soon, Katie, but a question that I do want to ask, um, and it, it, it may be nothing, but hopefully not, but we always ask, is there any, any books that you've read or podcasts or audiobooks that you've listened to that have really helped you and influenced you over the last few years um, that you want to share with people? Um. I've, I've actually just started um, my mini MBA um, in marketing with nice. Mark Ritson. So I'm, I'm actually only just a couple of weeks into that. But um, yeah, so far, quite, quite amazing. Um, it's obviously not, it's not data related in the way that we're talking about today, but mm. I mean, it's extremely customer research focused. And I know that a lot of people that work in in data are heavily, you know, you're, you're analyzing customer data quite often. Um, and that is a really, that's a really interesting area for me. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of the most useful tool that I've had, that I've seen lately. And yeah. Good, good, good advice. And the final thing, just to give you the opportunity, I mean, obviously this, this is gonna go out to um, quite a few people within the data industry in Australia. Um, I guess you're almost your chance to to pitch a little bit, you know, what, why would someone, if they did want to come work for you, if they've been really interested in this podcast, um, you know, what's so cool about working with you specifically and then also working within Cypher as a business? Oh, working with me is fabulous, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah, of course. <laughs> Not said. Um, <laughs> working with Cypher, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll say three reasons. Um, the day-to-day and the team mm -hmm. so 
I think it's a pretty fun place to work. Um, everyone's a pretty good vibe and the pace and excitement um, here when we're celebrating something or striving for something or launching something is really, uh, really good fun. And um, we're shortly about to move into kind of a new fit, fit out office in Collingwood. So that's one big reason um, to come to come work for us. But really, um, the other thing is subject matter. So data is first at Cypher and, um, and so is sport. And so those two things combined can make for a really, a really exciting um, project and the ability to innovate. And that's what we kind of like to do here is innovate and pioneer a little bit what we're um, in the space and look at our competitors and, and beat, beat the butt off them. <laughs> Uh, and then the third thing is um, is kind of the way that we're paving the way in the market itself. So striving mm -hmm. for excellence in our products, always working towards automation and improvements, like you said. Um, and this kind of puts us ahead of the pack, uh, gives us a serious competitive edge in like what is a new market um, and the ability to kind of work across international teams and in the, in the US space as well. So those are the, probably the big three things. I could probably talk all day about it. Um, but uh, I, I absolutely love the people that I'm surrounded with and working with, and I really do pinch myself at the end of the day of how many cool things I've just discussed and made decisions on in, in, in one day, knowing that those things are going to go out to customers um, and, and make a difference in a way. Nice. <laughs> and to be fair, absolutely everyone we've ever, I guess, placed within your business is the same thing, that they love working there and um the, the pace is cool and like you said i think one of the big things is that what you work on that day can be implemented almost that day as well in a sense so you get to see the fruits of your labor which i think in a lot of bigger companies and a lot of data-driven companies you don't necessarily get to do that so that's very true um anything you want to add james before we finish up mate no i just think it's like thank you so much for coming it's uh, really good to learn the story as well i never knew that so it was great to hear like how oh. it's all coming 100% and congratulations as well is a sense in order because to do what you did at such a young age and where you've got the business to now is amazing and really inspiring for so many people so I know it's going to really resonate with a lot of the people that do listen to this show so thank you very much for coming on Kate it's been an absolute pleasure oh that's lovely words both of you um, I appreciate that and I've appreciated working with you both over the last couple of years and um, we've got some we've had some great candidates and um, yeah, always, always look forward to chatting. Massive. Well, thank you very much. And thank you everyone for listening.